All right, I'll say good evening, good evening, let us, let us begin. So we are continuing tonight, the Merit Hashem, actually we're going to finish tonight in the Malacha of Zorea. So tonight, so there's two, you'll see the Mayim Akomas, the source packet, tonight is really comprised of two things. The first six sources are Zorea part three, excuse me, then Merit Hashem, we're going to begin the Malacha of Kotzer. Tonight does us. Remember again, last week, I left you off, I know, quite a cliffhanger. The uh, the schlock, you know, who could uh, who could barely sleep after uh, such such suspense. So remember again, we're speaking about the idea about the person has the cover, the tarp, the schlock on there on their sukkah. Now again, it rains. I want to remove it, but of course, the issue with removing it is that any moisture will end up falling on the ground. So the shaila is, what are my options? So remember again, last week we spoke about option number one, which is asking a guy to do it. Asking a Gentile to perform that particular action. And again, we spoke about the idea we saw by Rav Moshe, that Allah mira l'nachri by a psik reisha, especially by a psik reisha, ultimately again, and especially a psik reisha, the dvar mitzvah, ultimately again is going to remain, is going to be permitted. Okay, so that was, that was approach number one. Remember again, we saw Rav Moshe by the refrigerator, which is a very important Rav Moshe to kind of keep in your back pocket. Uh, people need that Rav Moshe at different times. So now I want to continue with uh, another approach. Actually, you know, we're going to cover like two or three different approaches that we could have with the Shlach. So take a look at number one. Shemir Shabbos Kilchosal deals with a very interesting case here. Case was like this. Kiar asher hamayim nishpachim l'socho so this is actually interesting. So listen to the case. At first glance, it sounds something separate than what we have, but yeah, you'll see it has another sukkah application as well. Let's say you have a sink. Now the way this works in the sink is, imagine for a moment you wash your hands in the sink. So the water collects in a sink. It then goes down a drain. It then goes down to a drain. And then on the drain, it empties onto the ground. Empties onto the ground. So you can, by the way, you can imagine this. They have like these like, like portable outdoor sinks. So if you can imagine, again, instead of being connected, it just simply pours out into the ground. So Shemir Shabbos Kilch, so listen to this. You're allowed to use that sink on Shabbos. Right? Why? What's, what's the pshat? So Shmir Shabbos Kilchos Apaskins, that halochalamaisa, this is called the grama. This is called the grama. Again, it's not called the psigresha. Why is it not called the psigresha? Because remember again, psigresha requires really an instantaneous, an instantaneous result. Right? So remember again, this is not instantaneous. There's a, there's a delay. And therefore, by definition, it falls into the category of grama. So as long as, Shmir Shabbos Kilchos Apaskins, as long as um, I don't have kavana for the water to go onto the ground, then Lamaisa, like to water anything, then Lamaisa is going to be permitted. Now, obviously, again, the one thing I, I have, I have to be careful, I have to be careful, ultimately, again, is not to intentionally pour it there. So this is just an interesting idea over here. That now, again, we'll say now, what, what, I'll, what I'll point out over here is something, is something very interesting. That remember, so in, in part one, he's talking about over here pouring it into the sink, and then from the sink it goes onto the, onto the ground. In part two, he's saying, That's talking about directly pouring the water onto the ground. In other words, what he's referring to over here is, 
Don't confuse this and think that you could wash your hands over seeds or over a fertile ground. I, it's not my kavana to water the seeds. It's not, remember, this will say, it's not a Dabrashen Miskave. This is a grama. This is a grama. Now, I, I will point out to you that if you know that, it's interesting because Shurim Shabbos Gosa makes it sound like you'd be totally permitted to use one of these outdoor sinks on Shabbos, even though the water is, you know the water is going to end up on the ground. So it seems to be conventional wisdom is that ideally not to use something like this. In other words, technically speaking, it's mutter, but it would seem to be that if one did not have to go ahead and rely on the fact that it's a grandma, better not to. I'm just bringing this up because this, this opinion is brought down in the context of the shlak, of the sukkah cover, because the sukkah cover essentially is the same type of thing. The water falls on the cover, the cover is then removed, and when removing the cover, the water could fall onto the ground. So therefore, many compare it to this case of the outdoor sink, and therefore, because this grama technically would be permitted. So, both side, so according to the second approach, you'd be permitted to remove the schlock yourself. Right? No guy. All right? Option number one is the guy. Option number two is remove it yourself. But because it's grama, therefore, it's not a problem. Okay, interesting idea. Number two and number three are really highlighting the same concept. They're just saying it a little bit differently. So number two is the Shal Sachuva's heart city. And number three is the Katha Chaim. So let's take a look at both of them. Even though you're going to see, they're really highlighting the same basic Yisod. So number two. Sorry, that's a, that's a misprint. It's supposed to be. So the heart sees it like this. So we'll say, so imagine, imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment you have like a, um, you ever see, you ever see sometimes, like you see this by trees sometimes, and there's like a little irrigation ditch around the tree, right? Where you go and you fill it up, you fill it up with water. So what the heart sees is dealing with is the following case. Imagine for a moment before Shabbos, a person goes ahead and fills up that irrigation ditch, you know, around the tree with water. So it's got more than enough water. On Shabbos, you then come along and pour more water into that irrigation ditch. The Har Tzvi says, you have not violated Shabbos. Why? Because the plant already has everything it needs for now. In other words, you're, 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 not, you're not substantively adding everything. Now, say this is presupposing you know how much the tree needs and it had exactly what it needs. So therefore, my, my adding of water is not doing anything. A fascinating idea. Even though I just want to point out <clears throat> that we saw before in last week's share, or maybe two weeks ago, that what's the share for Zorea? What's the share for Zorea? Right? Any amount. So, you, so intuitively, one would have thought that introducing any amount of water by definition is Zorea. What the Hart Tzvi is highlighting over here is if you know, if you see what he's saying is, if you know that the plant already has all the water that it needs, your additional water is halachically irrelevant and inconsequential, and therefore, by definition, is not a malacha. It's not a malacha. That's the heart svi. Take a look at the kavachayim in number three. Same basic idea. He says, If you have already given the particular tree or the particular plant all the water it needs before Shabbos, Oh, or on Shabbos itself, the guy watered the plant, you know, for everything that it needs, it's fully watered. And now a Jew comes along on Shabbos and waters the plant even more. 
One is not chai because of Zorea. Why? So the Kafachai still interesting. He says, Why? Because too much water, too much water is actually detrimental for the plant. So the Hartzi and the Kafachaim are, 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 are saying nuancedly different things, but the Yisod is the same. The Hartzvi says essentially, once a plant has been watered everything it needs, your additional watering is halachically inconsequential, meaningful, and irrelevant. Therefore, it's not a malacha. The Kafachaim takes it a step further and he says, once it's been fully watered, watering it anymore could actually be detrimental. Could actually be detrimental. Now, listen. Now, why is all of this important? Because interestingly enough, the post can bring down that it could very well be. That right? Let's let's go back to our sukkah case, right? It's sukkah. It's sukkah, right? It rained. It rained. So now I want to take off the cover of my sukkah, but now water is going to go onto the ground. So many. So some posts can want to make the argument that what? Since it rained already. The ground has whatever it needs, whatever it needs. And so the Maisa, my additional rain that's going to come off of the Shlach, essentially is halachically inconsequential or irrelevant. So again, the, the challenge with that last approach is what? What's the challenge with that last approach? Right, so first of all, how do you know? And really, I, that would seem to really only work like in the aftermath of like a major rain, right? The storm where, where you could say like the ground is fully saturated. Um, less than that, I, I don't know. It, it, it would be a little bit hard to kind of narrow that down. But I would say, but kind of if you, so just, just pointing out, if you bring this all together, essentially what we have is like this. If a person does have a schlock, oh, I'm sorry, there's one more. There's one more approach. Take a look. Take a look at... Number four, I, I have to uh, I have to give credit to uh, Yehuda Buchwalter because he, he WhatsApped me today and I was intrigued. Not that I didn't believe him, not that I didn't believe him, but I was intrigued, and so I had to find a, a, a mucker for what I quoted by Sternhill. So Zechtadik Livracha. So I want to show you something interesting. Take a look at number four. So quotes over here in the Shailos Atshuvas Leiv Avram. So he quotes over here. Shemitzadid lahakel v'tamahetes shalo. What's the logic why one could be makel to remove the shlak? Listen to this. Shehu bizman yomtiv desukis kvar kala ha'aviv v'azroim holchim ubalim v'havei psik reisha delonechale. Listen to this. This is fascinating. By the time circus rolls around, and this is true, like whatever climate you're in, it's really whatever climate you're in, the grass is done growing. Right, the grass is done growing. Although, again, what's interesting about this is that I don't know. I leva. I still pay for grass cutting, even past circus. So I, so I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this a little bit. But okay, let let let's see it. This is by time that by time that ultimately again circus comes. Ultimate spring is over, and whatever's grown has grown, and Lamaisana, everything else is kind of beginning to beginning to die in nature. So this is interesting. So the Levav Rom says that by Sukkot's time, essentially the grass has finished growing, right? And if anything, again, now it begins to diminish. So therefore, again, at most, it's a suffix in a psik ratio. You know, maybe the water will cause something to grow. Maybe it won't. So suffix in a psik ratio is going to be mutter. Okay, so like I said, I, 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 
I, I think it's a little bit complicated because Lemaisa, Lemaisa, again, Sukkis falls out, Sukkis could fall out September, October, you can still be having your lawn mowed or mowing your lawn, you know, still for some amount of time after that. But again, an interesting idea. So I'll say, so if we kind of bring this all together, it turns out, it turns out that there are essentially, we'll call it, we'll call it four different approaches as to how one could remove the shlak off the sukkah. Number one is asking a guy, right? Number two, ultimately is taking it off yourself and recognizing that any water that falls onto the ground is grama. Number three, which is re- taking it off yourself and recognizing that any water that falls onto the ground either is not doing anything or maybe even is oversaturating because the earth is already wet. And number four, the Levav Rom, who says that ultimately by Sukkot's time anyway, everything's pretty much stopped growing. So at most you have uh, a, a suffix and a psyche ratio with the Rabbanon. So on the last topic, sorry, go back to that. Um, I actually learned from someone who did master gardener that you should continue watering your trees and your plants even in, in, through the winter until after it's snow on the ground. It, it, it encourages it to grow and it encourages it to... Interesting, to hold on to it. I don't know, maybe it's like a machlokias ha-gardeners. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems the halacha definitely recognizes that like there's a certain point where it's no longer beneficial. Even if you don't go with detrimental, certain point where it's no longer beneficial. I don't know, maybe also different, maybe also different plants take in the moisture different ways. I don't know, I don't know. All right, we'll say, so now next question, next interesting topic. What happens if a person has automatic sprinkler system? Right? So again, you have, the, you have the in-ground sprinklers, you have it on a timer, it goes on seven days a week, seven days a week. Can you have your automatic sprinklers go on on Shabbos? Going on Shabbos, so we'll say. So what would you say? What would you say? Your wife's going on Shabbos, right? So the it really shouldn't be a problem. In other words, we'll say if you think about it, there is malacha happening in our homes all of the time on Shabbos, right? My lights are going on and off on Shabbos. You have a thermostat. You have a thermostat, your heat's going on and off, your air conditioning is going off. You put up a chalent before Shabbos, right? We'll get to Hilchos Bishal. I can't wait to get to Bishal. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Right? So, in a couple of weeks, Emir Hashem. So, you put up your chalent. We're going to see Allah Alamais. Your chalent doesn't have to be fully cooked at the onset of Shabbos, which means there's cooking happening on Shabbos. So, Bepashtos, having the sprinkler go on should be absolutely no different and should be permitted. So, it's quoted in the name of Rav Moshe. I didn't put it on the sheet, but it's quoted in the name of Rav Moshe that although technically speaking it's permitted, one should not do it. Why not? Because of a topic that we're going to talk about. We actually covered it in Smichas Chaver a little bit. I think we covered it in Smichas Chaver. Um... At some point, the concept of Zelusa de Shabsa. Zelusa de Shabsa literally means the degradation of Shabbos. Meaning that there are certain activities, there are certain activities that Halachalamaisa, although they are technically permitted, they erode the general sanctity of Shabbos because they essentially make Shabbos look like every other day. Now, I don't mean Uvda Dechal, right? Uvda Dechal is something also a little bit which weekday activity. I'm talking about, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. But allowing certain things to occur. Well, so I give you a good example of this. Paradigmatic example. No, no, I don't paradigmatic. Good example of this. Well, so are you allowed to set your dishwasher on a timer on Shabbos? Now, again, remember, dish, are you allowed to load your dishwasher on Shabbos? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
excellent answer. So, so, so remember, remember, the, only, the answer is a yes, just, just with a tiny little asterisk of just a caveat. Remember, loading your dishwasher is not a problem because a dishwasher essentially is a storage container, right? It's a storage container. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want it. I don't want it on my counter. I'm just going to put it in my... The only time maybe, maybe, maybe there's an issue is potentially if normally you don't care that there's dishes on your counter, but you're preparing it for Masih Shabbos, so that comes after Abdullah, you could just hit the button, it could go. Then may, maybe, maybe there's a hachana, a preparation issue. But I, I think most of us, most of us absolutely load our dishwashers on Shabbos just because it's nicer to get the dirty dishes. Can you set your, so assuming, let's say I, I, put, my, I put my stuff in the dishwasher, so I know I finish lunch normally at, uh, or, or whatever, Shabbos dinner. I finish Shabbos dinner at 10 o'clock at night. And so again, I'm going to load up the dishwasher. It's going to go on at 11. Are you allowed to do that? I'm sorry? Well, so say either, whatever, either, either I'm not going to open it again, or I'm not going to open it again, or whatever, you could go ahead. <clears throat> I'm sure you could play with the settings or different things like that. So we'll say, so interestingly enough, the answer should be technically yes. Like, in other words, right, that is a good Shabbos, right? So the answer should be technically yes. The post can bring down that we don't do that. Why? Because the act of running appliances, the act of running appliances on Shabbos is Zelusa de Shabsa. <clears throat> Ultimately represents a degradation to Shabbos, especially things that make noise. Now I know, now everything has a quiet mode and everything like that, right? But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, the act of running appliances, this was, you know, when we get to Bishal, a lot of great stuff coming up with Bishal, we're going to talk about the ability to set your, your coffee maker on a timer. Your coffee maker on a timer to have fresh brewed coffee on Shabbos. Big heter, Brother Heinemann. Big heter, Brother Heinemann on this. But many of the post came who don't like the, the heter, not, not because it's a problem of Bishal, but once again, Zelusa de Shabsa. Coffee maker is actually probably even more problematic than your, than your dishwasher, right? Why? Why? Because Lamaisa, number one, no, normally, well, coffee maker number one is loud. Number two, it's, uh, what's the word? Fragrant, aromatic, you know, uh, blissful. I don't, I don't know what to, you know that 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 wafting smell is is a pretty uh, is a pretty dramatic thing in the house. In any event, so I'll say. So the point over that emotion makes is, although technically speaking, it would be permitted to set your sprinklers. We do not. We. I'm sorry. So I think I think with these kind of things, especially like if you're if you're you know one of those fancy people with in ground sprinklers, I think people know that those things are usually set on timers. So I, I, I think that's I think that's well known enough that people know the works the same way that if people see lights going on and off in your house, there's not really like a Marisai issue. I, I think it's interesting. Ramosha doesn't bring down a Marisai issue, he just brings down a Zelusa Dishabsa issue. All right, so we'll say our last topic, our last topic in Hilko's Zorea. Interesting, if somebody asked this last week, somebody asked this last week, and I, and I actually, I meant to put it in last week's share, but uh, I only got to this week, is what happens if I have plants in my house? And the plants in my house are by the window. So now I have curtains on the window. So come Shabbos or blinds, I want to open up the blinds to let light into the house. Now, of course, again, when I'm opening the blinds also, the plants... Right, are going to be the beneficiaries of the sunlight. So am I permitted to go ahead and do that or not? That's the Shaila. So, we'll say, so in Sefer Shabbos, 
he brings out something very interesting. Quotes actually, he actually has a very long, it's interesting how long the piece is on this. So I'm only going to quote to you two different, two opinions. The first he quotes over here is the heart Svi. Is the heart Svi. So if you take a look, he says, Can you open up the shades? Or can you open up a curtain? Obviously, our question is predicated on the idea that what? What's the goal of opening the curtains? What's the goal? Light, right? Not not to do anything for the plants. Obviously, if my kavana is for the plants, that's going to be usher. But my kavana is really not for the plants. My kavana is just, I want some natural light. So am I allowed to do that or not? So he quotes over here, So again, I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip to the, to the bottom. Look at the last two lines in number six. He quotes over here from the, from the, uh, so the Hartsi makes an interesting distinction. He says it all depends on the position of the plants. Listen to this. Last two lines on source number six on the first page. He says everything depends on the positioning of the plants. Essentially, Hartsi would say like this. If the plants are right at the window, and therefore, again, when you go ahead and you open the shades, so the plants are right there getting the sunlight, he holds that it's Asr. He holds that it's Asr. However, he says, if the plants are like a little bit removed, like let's say the plants are in the room, are in the room, and maybe even they're in the direct, you know, what's the right word, uh, you know, light trajectory, but they're not right at the window, then he says that it's Mutter, he calls that Grama. He calls that grammar. So an interesting distinction over here dealing with the position of the plants. Yes. Um, oh, I'm sorry? Plants, right. So the truth is you could really could move it. <coughs> it's not really mukta. It's not mukta. So you'd be permitted to move it to begin with. Right? A plant. I'm sorry. <coughs> the question is: Is a potted plant like with dirt? Fla- flowers are not moved, right? Fla- flowers and water you can move. You can move off. You can move off. A plant, a potted plant, is that mukta? Panchos, it should be mukta, a potted plant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know, I, right, you're saying it's a bus, it's a bus is for the dirt, the dirt is also a bus is for the plant. Uh, yeah, I, I'd have to double check that, but I guess a panchos, it should be mukta. I don't think you could call that sorech mukomo, right? Because you don't, you don't need the space, you need the plant not to be there. Right? In other words, sorech gufo mukomo means, uh, you know, I, I, no, now again, now again, you know, can you play a little bit? I don't think. Can you play a game over here and say I, I want to move my chair to the place where the uh, to the place where the plant is situated? I mean, you could, but we already we spoke about it. Hilcha smoked That's not really called Sorech Sorech Makomo. I don't think that would be called Sorech Gufa Makomo. I don't think so. I don't think so. So that's the uh, okay. So that that that's the heart seat. So that's the heart seat. The heart seat is going to make that distinction ultimately. 
between whether or not the plants are right by the window or a little bit more removed. And we'll say, now turn the page. This is a continuation of the same source. He quotes another opinion in here. He says, He quotes a couple of other different opinions. And according to this second school of thought, he says, And listen to this. This is actually fascinating. He says, you're la- So the second school of thought says, No, you could open the blinds. You could open the blinds. You could open the shade. Even if the plant is right near the window. He says, Why? This is actually fascinating. The also gidel shepoel zrichas hashemesh, who muat, so this is actually interesting logic. He says, the, the growth, the growth, right, the benefit that the sunlight is going to give the plant when you open it up, right? So the second opinion says is so minimal. It's muat, it's muat. Really, I think what he means is it's minimal, it's minimal, and it's not measurable. Minimal and, and not measurable. There, and combined with the fact that it's not my kavana, therefore he holds it would be mutter to go ahead and open the shades, even though the plants are right next to the window. Now, I will say, I do want to point out the tremendous, the tremendous chiddush in this. Okay. The chiddush in this is that, I'm sorry? We said Right. So remember, again, this kind of goes back that by Zorea, there's no shear. This year is a kol shehu. So I, I, I think, though, I think, though, it must be that according to this svara, while it's a kol shehu, it's a measurable kol shehu. In other words, even a kol shehu is still somewhat quantifiable because the sunlight coming into the plant in your house, it's, it's muat and it's not measurable. So the, and again, and it's not your kavana. Right, your, yeah, I want to be clear. Your kavanah is for the light. So you put that all together. He holds that Allah Chalamaisa. You can open the shades even if the plant is right there. And I will say this actually, this second approach actually seems to be the majority opinion. So Allah Chalamaisa, the way we are knowing on Shabbos is that if you have plants by the window, plants, flowers by the window, and Allah Chalamaisa, again, even though during the week you open up the shades in order to give the plants light, on Shabbos, if your kavanah by opening up the shades is to go ahead and bring light into the room, Ultimately, again, that is going to be permitted on Shabbos. Har Tzvi, only if the plants are a little bit removed from, removed from the window. But again, it seems to be conventional wisdom is like the second approach. And therefore, Allah says, as long as your kavan is for light, you are totally fine. Yeah? With one, you want to be careful, be I don't think I don't think one is you, a person who wants to exercise a midas chasidus. You can't. I, I don't think there's anything like that. This, the majority of people is like the second approach that halacha because it's minimal and not measurable, and your kavanah is for the light. You're totally fine. All right, Tzibosay Mazatov. That 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 caps that that ends our discussion on the malacha of Zorea. All right, two down, thirty-seven to go. We got this. We got this. All right, excellent. Tzibosay Mazatov, welcome to coach. So let us begin. So take a look at number one. So again, most remember again, all roads lead back to this Mishnah Masech Shabbos. Avos Molochos Abraham Chaser Achos Hazorea Hachoresh Vahakotzer. So since now we are up to Kotzer. Kotzer literally translated means to cut something down, reaping. Where was this done in the Mishkan? Where was this done in the Mishkan? What would you say? Where was it done in the Mishkan? So remember again, same thing what we've seen up. Really, remember, Kotzer is in the same family as 
Zorea, Choresh. So you're planting all of these herbs for dyes for the, for the curtains of the Beis HaMikdash. So therefore, again, remember, obviously, after you plant it, you have to harvest it. You have to reap it. So that's Kotzer. Or again, remember, all these things also appear where else? Where else? The creation of Alechem Apanim. Right? So again, you go ahead and you plant wheat. You have to go ahead and be Kotzer. You have to go ahead and reap the wheat in order to make the Alechem Apanim. Good. Bosai comes number three, and Rashi, Rashi just points out what we just, what we just spoke about. Number three, the Rambam gives us a definition. The definition is Vichola Oker Davar Migidulov Chayiv Mishum Kotzer. Bosai, here is our operating definition. Anytime that you uproot something from the place where it grows, that is called Kitsira. That is called Kitsira. Now, I'm going to go out of order to show you something interesting, quite fascinating, about how this malacha kind of makes sense. So, so obviously, again, what's going to be involved in the malacha of Kitsira? So just sim- simple examples, simple examples, right? Pulling an apple off a tree, Kotzer, right? Ripping a leaf off a tree, Kotzer. Pulling up a blade of grass, weeds, flowers, right? Anything, Oker, Davar, Migidula, from where it grows. <coughs> I'll show you something fascinating. Take a look. Take a look at number six. I'm sorry? Like a, a usable object? No, it doesn't have to be even usable. In other words, you, you're, you're, you're walking, you're walking and just, you know, sometimes people walk and they, and they you know, pull off a leaf or pull off a this. That's called kotzer. That's called kotzer. Take a look at, we'll say, number six. Just to give you another interesting application of this. We'll, we'll come back to four in just a moment. Six. Asavim sha'alu al ozen hakli. So we'll say, literally translated, grass that grew on the handle of a utensil. Now, he doesn't really mean grass. What is he referring to over here? What is he referring to? Like moss. Moss. So moss that grows on a utensil. Milecho secretly from moisture. From moisture. Chashuvim ki mechubarim lekarka v'atolshan chayev. So I will say, this is no different than something else attached to the ground. And therefore, Allah Chalamaisa, if you uproot it, you're chayev. So I will say, it's really very interesting. See, even though, even though, again, the moss doesn't grow from the utensil. Right? The, raw, the moss is going from the moisture that's settled on the utensil. But it's not like, remember again, I will say, if you peel off the moss from the, from the utensil, it's not the shot that like there's roots that go into the utensil. So what do you see from here? You see from here something very interesting, which is that the malacha of kotzer doesn't necessarily need something to have roots into the item that it is growing from. It just requires it. It just requires it ultimately to go ahead and be attached. So the Mishnah Bura brings down another example of this. He says, number seven, So again, you find like often you'll find, you'll find moss growing on a bucket that's used to draw water, right? The other place where this comes out is mushrooms. Mushrooms. Right, so remember again, mushrooms do not grow from the ground, right? They grow attached to the ground. So I, what happens if someone goes in and picks a mushroom on Shabbos? There's no root it. That's still called kotzer. That's still called kotzer. So even though, again, in our mind, and the paradigmatic examples of kotzer, something that develops roots into the ground and you're uprooting it from where it grows, we see that even uprooting something from the place where it grows, even if it's not deriving its nutrients, from that place where it grows, but it's growing on something, attached to something, detaching that item is called kotzer. 
So just we'll, we'll see some very interesting applications of that. Go back up to number four. Another very interesting machlogis. So tonight I just want to show you this machlogis, but we'll have to see the applications of it in Meretz Hashem in next week's share. Take a look at number at number four. Te'enim she'yavshu bi'ibayen v'chein ilan she'yavshu peirosav bo ha'toleish mehem b'shabes chayiv. So I will say this is an interesting case. What happens if you have fruit on a tree, but the fruit has dried up? The fruit has dried up, right? Or, right, or you just, just in general, you have, right, you have a tree that's fruits dried up. So what's the halacha? If you pick off those fruits from the tree, ultimately, again, you're going to be chayiv. Now, what's the novelty in that ruling? What's the novelty there? The novelty is, remember, is the fruit getting anything anymore from its attachment to the tree? Nothing. Nothing. So what you see from here is the malach of Kotzer applies even if there's no nourishment, right? Even if there's no nutrients being passed from the tree or from the ground ultimately to the item growing, the act of detaching something from the place where it grows is by definition the malacha of Kitsira. Now, this op- so I just want to point out, I just want to point out that the way the, the, way the Shulchan Arach frames the case of Osai is the tree is alive, the tree is alive, the fruits have dried up. So in that case, again, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, removal of the fruits is a violation of the Malach of Ketzira. Take a look at number five, the Ber Halacha. Uh, this, this is actually fascinating. Look what it says. Da, t'yesh plugta bein poskim. So I will say, there's a fundamental machlokes. What's fundamental machlokes? Yesh omrim shafilu yavshu ha-peros hein v'oktseyen v'chein hu adin yave sha'ilon afilu legamre da'hainu she'in gizo machlif afilu ha'ki chayiv who hold, if the fruit, and even if the tree dried up, it is still usher to detach dried fruits from that tree. Right? So the tree's dead, the fruit's dead, it doesn't make a difference. If they're attached, the act of removing something from the place where it grows, even though right now, there's no transfer of nutrients. There's no vitality in the tree or in the plants. It's still going to be asa. That's the first school of thought. Watch this. The Harbi post goes Rashi, Tosis, the Rashba, the Rambam, Svirle, the Lomechai, Rakbi, Yavshua, Peros, Vukzein, Adain Lach. Ubaza Efshar, the Chai, Vafilu, Yutlosh, Matmila, Gofta, Priya, Yavish. O Yavish, Ailon, Vadain, Gizo, Machlif. So we'll say the second school of thought says, if the tree is dried up, there is no longer any kind of issue. In other words, if the tree is dead, if the tree is dead, there is no malach of kotzer, ultimately, again, from going in and detaching, detaching items from it. Now, we'll say he adds in over here something very interesting, which is, it could even be if the fruit itself is totally dried up, Right, that there might also not be an issue of kotzer. In order for there to be kotzer, there has to be some amount of the fruit that has to still be vital. Okay, but we'll leave that on the side. Point over here is fundamental machlokas about is there malach of kotzer when the tree is dead? So remember again, the Shulchan Aruch's case, Shulchan Aruch is telling me if the fruit is dried up, but the tree is alive, there's still the malach of kotzer. The shaila is if the tree is dried up, is there malach of kotzer or not? First opinion says yes, as long as the items are attached, there is a malach of kotzer. Second opinion says no. If the tree is dead, if the tree is dead, there is no longer any kind of malach of kitsira. We're going to see that's going to play a role in Meretz Hashem in next week's shir. We'll see some applications of this principle. So we'll say, we now come to number nine. 
Sorry, number eight. Our number eight. Our last source for this evening. And I both say, this halacha, this halacha is going to probably be the dominant one in Hilchos Ketzira, because this halacha that we're going to see right now kind of opens the door for all of the malachos midrabanan associated with, with Kotzer, for which there are many. In other words, the Doraisa, the Doraisa is kind of like straightforward, right? You can't go ahead and detach something from the place where it grows, even if it doesn't have roots, even if it's just growing attached to that thing. Okay, so Machlokis as to whether or not if the tree is dead, is there a Melach of Ketzira? But look at number eight. Here we go. Ein Olin Bi'ilan. They both say you cannot go up in a tree. You can't climb a tree on Shabbos. Right? Bein Lach, Bein Yavesh. Whether the tree ultimately is alive or the tree is dead. Vein Nit Limbo. Ultimately, again, you can't hang things on the tree. Right? So you can't use the tree. You can't use the tree. So I should say, I shouldn't say use. You can't hang things on the tree. Right? Next. Vein Mishtam Shin And the truth is, you can't really use the tree for anything. For that matter, you can't use anything that is attached to the ground on Shabbos. Okay? So again, the Shulchan discussion begins ultimately again with the tree, but Lamaise, if you notice, he extends it to anything that is Mechubal the Karka. So I will say, so the, now why is that? Why, why is so in other words, l- let's go through the list of, of what I have over here, right? I can't climb the tree. I can't hang things on the tree. And the truth is, I can't use the tree. I can't use the tree. So I will say, so just to understand, like just for illustrative purposes, right? I, when I'm not saying this is true or not, we'll have to, we're going to deal with this next week. I can't hang up a hammock, right? Between two trees, between two trees, and I can't go on that hammock on Jabez. Because the act of going on the hammock, by definition, is utilizes trees. My kids have a treehouse. They can't go up into the treehouse on Shabbos. Right? I can't go ahead and... I, I, it's warm. I'm not sitting outside. I want to hang my jacket on a branch on the tree. I'm not allowed to do that. There's no usage of a tree on Shabbos. What's the pshat? So the Shulchan says in number eight, What's the concern? What's the concern? The concern is lest you come to go ahead and detach a branch from the tree. So I will say, so this is a gzera midrabanon. So now again, these things begin to make sense. You can't climb the tree. You may end up going ahead and taking off a branch. You can't hang something on the tree. You may end up snapping a branch. You can't use the tree in any way because once again, you may end up detaching a branch. And the act of detaching a branch by definition will be kotzer. Would that include sitting under it for, um, for shade? Oh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk. The not. Bepashtos, not Bepashtos, when it says Mishtamshin, Mishtamshin sounds like what it really means is active usage with the tree in some way. Sitting underneath its shade where I'm not physically interacting with the tree would not seem to be a problem. But, but we'll, we'll talk. Take a look at number nine. We'll say last source for tonight. Mr. Brewer comments on this. He says, number nine, because maybe, you'll, because maybe you'll ascend the tree and ultimately again detach a branch. Alim o anofim o peros v'yiskabin letash letalsham v'asi lidechi yivchatos. Now we'll say, so again, ultimately, what, what are we concerned about? We're concerned that ultimately, again, you're going to come to go ahead and inadvertently detach branches or leaves or fruit and ultimately, again, come to a chiyivchatos. So we'll say, we're going to see, yes? What if a tree doesn't have branches? It would be a low plug. It'll be a low plug. Although, although right, what, like anything else you find like in Hilcho Shabbos, the, the, rule, the rule has to extend, you know, in, in all cases. So we'll say what we're going to see, what's really unique about this, 
and it's going to be one of the unique one of the unique features over here is how dramatic and widespread this one rabbinic halacha becomes. So just to give you for illustrative purposes, how it even goes into how really it even goes into. Um, into, um, you know, non-tree related things, let's say it has to do with using animals on Shabbos, right? Leaving a lot of the Shvisa Shabbos issue, but the concern ultimately, again, of riding an animal that you may come to go ahead and detach a stick in order to go ahead and hit the animal's wound. So, which is interesting, right? Because the act of riding the animal is not directly related to the Malach of Ketzirah. But ultimately, again, so we see that Chazat took a very wide-angle approach. All right, we'll say, so first of all, Mazel Tov on finishing Zorea. Literally, again, two Malachas down. Mazel Tov on beginning Ketzirah. We'll stop over here for tonight. And the Mirat Hashem, we will continue with, with Kotzer, Mirat Hashem, next week. Ahmed Yomi will be in Mirat Hashem in just a few minutes. Shkayach, say. Also, if anyone is interested in joining the rotation for the Chazar notes, Please see Rabari Lichterman. He's looking for a, for a few good men. Why? What's the in grass? Putting a pumpkin on the grass could be the same as a tree. You could be tallish grass a lot. I think because it's low F shirt. What are you going to tell people? They can't walk on grass on Shabbos? No grass?